Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The following program has been pre-recorded. Thanks for tuning in this weekend to Let's Talk Portland, Odyssey Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. On the show this time, I'd like to welcome Serena Boston Ashby. Serena is the CEO of Girls Inc. of the Pacific Northwest. Hey there, Serena. Welcome to Let's Talk Portland. Hi, thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Excellent. So I guess we probably should get started by learning about Girls Inc. of the Pacific Northwest. What is it? Yes, yeah, so Girls Inc. of the Pacific Northwest is a youth development nonprofit. We are one of 76 affiliates of the national organization known as Girls Inc. And Girls Inc. actually started off as Girls Clubs of America in the 1860s, believe it or not, um, found out of Waterbury, Connecticut. It was uh, one of the initial suffragette movement uh, clubs for women in this country. Uh, and then it evolved on to found the YWCA and be a big part of women's rights throughout the 20th century. Uh, and then in the 18, uh, excuse me, in the 1980s, it became incorporated as Girls Inc. And our mission is to inspire girls and all youth to be strong, smart, and bold. And we do that by bringing our programs to girls and youth in after-school settings um, to really support them in their journey. And I'm happy to share more about that as well. Excellent. Well, I, you know, when I was uh, kind of doing some research on Girls Inc., I was surprised to learn that it started way, way back in the, uh, you said like the 1870s or something? Yes, 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 yes. So right near the end of the Civil War. And, um, you know, as as women, particularly in the northern part of the country, were really looking at political events unfolding, you know, one of the things that women at the time, and this was specifically white women in the northeast part of the United States, they just simply wanted the right to vote. You know, when we look at the original uh, mission of, of Girls Clubs of America, it was to really endear women to homesteading so that they could be good wives and mothers. Um, and and our, our mission is, is a bit different than, that, than it is <laughs> today than it was back then. But, you know, I think specifically to be good wives and mothers was was a priority, but they simply wanted the right to vote. But I think what that did is it, it launched a movement about, you know, what it meant to be a woman in this country, particularly if you had different identities based on race, social economic background. And as the women's rights movement and the civil rights movements uh, evolved, 
uh, in this country and became intersectional, it really did birth Girls Inc. Um, and, you know, who we are today is really based on those roots. But we're here to really solve the, the most prominent issues that are facing young girls and young people in our country uh, through our programming and then also through advocacy. It was a big deal back in the 70s and so, well, 60s and 70s during the, the feminist movements and things like that. Uh, how important is it today? It's incredibly important. And so uh, you know, our age range of the youth that we support uh, is from uh, age really seven all the way up to age 19. So we focus on grades uh, second through the end of high school. Uh, and we intentionally target working with schools that are Title I. So the majority of the students who attend those schools are on free and reduced lunch. Um, over 51% of our, of our girls and youth enrolled in our programs are of diverse backgrounds. So they're either black, persons of color, or come from indigenous backgrounds. Many of them are also of immigrant and refugee population. I would say about two thirds are the first to speak English in their household, to attend and graduate from high school and move on to a collegiate opportunity. And so what we see is that we are providing critical resources and space for girls to feel comfortable talking about what they experience either at home, in the community and in the classroom, simply because they are a girl um, or of a different background. When we go all the way back, you know, to, you know, the 1860s and we look at, you know, the Civil War, uh, you know, the the need to abolish, you know, enslaved, uh, you know, slavery in this country. When we, you know, fast forward to the 1960s, 70s, and we look at civil rights, you know, where we are today in 2024, although there have been, you know, laws and accommodations that have been created, there is still the same issues and barriers that are facing young people. Um, and so we want to make sure that whether it's based on gender identity or a language difference or even a learning difference, that we are there to provide that safety and that advocacy for girls and youth who need us the most. Excellent. Love to hear that. You're listening, Thank you. You're listening to Let's Talk Portland, and we are talking with Serena Boston Ashby, the CEO of Girls Inc. of the Pacific Northwest. Serena, uh, talk about your professional and personal background and, and how that led you to Girls, Inc. Yeah, so it's, uh, I, I call this a dream job, but I think one that uh, was in the making for many years and and, and I probably didn't even know it. Um, but, you know, a bit about me, I, I moved to the Pacific Northwest when I was nine years old. Um, my father, you know, was a, 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 um, a black man in corporate America. I am black, come from a black family and in the 60s and 70s, um, was one of the only black men in his field. He worked for North American manufacturing companies. And I share all this because, you know, um, racial pride and difference was something that was very evident in my family through my father's leadership. Both my parents were very active in the community. But we came to, 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 to Portland, specifically Gresham, because my father bought a business here. And I think what he was so impressed by was, I think, civic activism and community relations and a chance as a business leader to give back. And that really left an impression upon me. And so after going uh, back east and down south for college and life, I came back here and I started my career. And as a matter of fact, I learned about Girls, Inc. about 19 years ago because I was working at a partner nonprofit 
providing after school groups as well, where there was also Girls Inc. in the schools. But um, and advocating for a child that I was working with that was having a difficult time at home and making sure that parents, you know, their parents had resources to, you know, food and utility and rental assistance. I began to realize that there's something bigger going on politically that does shape the, the realities of children and families. And so uh, make a long story short, uh, I called a political party of my affiliation. And to be very blunt, I told them that I thought they sucked <laughs> and they weren't doing enough for kids and families. Uh, and about three weeks later, maybe it was about five or six weeks later, they offered me a job. Um, so for many years in Oregon and nationally, I worked in uh, professional politics. Some of it was bipartisan efforts. Some of it was on campaigns, ballot measures and lobbying to really improve the lives of vulnerable communities across Oregon and this country. And then along the way, I served on a lot of boards of directors of nonprofits based on my personal interest. And then I ended up running a few nonprofits myself as an executive director and as the CEO. And that's what brought me to Girls Inc. Uh, I came in during the pandemic when everybody throughout the world, um, but especially for, for children, were just confronted by the brutal and scary reality of COVID-19. Um, I think, you know, also in 2020, a lot of political unrest in this country, the unfortunate murder of George Floyd really brought a lot of issues to the forefront that I think were affecting so many people, but were suppressed from discussion by the general public. Uh, and so Girls Inc. really had an opportunity to figure out who we wanted to be, you know, for our children, for our families and for the community. And so it was a pleasure to, to begin to work with the organization and then ultimately become its CEO. And so that's a bit about me and how I came to Girls Inc. Excellent. So you came into Girls Inc. during the pandemic, a very, very tumultuous, tumultuous time. Um, what's yes. evolved? What's evolved since you've become CEO? Oh, what a great question. Thank you for asking. You know, our staff are brave. Uh, you know, I, our, our mission is to inspire girls and youth to be strong, smart, and bold. And our staff, they are strong, smart, and bold. And they are rooted in our mission and, you know, courageously advocating for what our youth need. And by listening to staff and working with staff, we really recreated our organization to, you know, revamp our curriculum, you know, uh, many of our relationships are built with school superintendents and school principals and vice principals and guidance counselors and teachers. But as we all know, schools closed immediately during the pandemic. And so to not be able to go to schools and work with, you know, you know, site based uh, staff and work directly with students, it was essentially an existential crisis for us. And so we became like a digital organization overnight. We started hosting our programs through Zoom. We created, you know, academic uh, tutoring because what we heard from students, parents, teachers, you know, your programs are great, but learning from home is really hard. Yeah. And these students need some academic support. And so, you know, over the last four years, we've become, uh, I think, more in tune with what girls and youth need, you know, developing curriculum about social and emotional learning. The pandemic was very isolating. So we saw a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of feeling like they weren't connecting with their peers enough, um, you know, certainly worries about the future. And so, you know, what we've become over the last few years is I think um, a stronger organization, a more effective organization, 
And our impact is shown by our increased in enrollment, um, by how many, you know, um, parents have, you know, shared their testimony about how they've been able to better connect with their student, how they see their child, how they've seen their daughter, you know, build better friendships, advocate for themselves and ask for more resources at school. And so um, I think the pandemic, although a very, very terrifying time for everyone, it gave us a sense of resolve and and helped us be a, a much better partner in the community. It's amazing to me to hear stories of how organizations, uh, really pivoted and made that pivot work during the pandemic. Yes, yes. I think uh, what a scary time for any nonprofit. Uh, You know, we don't charge for our programs. Uh, Our programs are free of charge. Uh, and, and, And the way that we do that is we raise money every day. Um, And so to be able to keep our programs free, but to remain open, no small feat, but uh, something I'm just so absolutely proud of. You're listening to Let's Talk Portland, and we're talking today with Serena Boston-Ashby, CEO of Girls, Inc. of the Pacific Northwest. And while we're on the topic, Serena, let's talk about some of those programs offered at Girls, Inc. Tell me about them. So we offer programs that are based on Uh, research and evaluation, uh, again, on what it means to be a girl and a young person today. And I use the word youth and girl interchangeably because, you know, we have gender nonconforming and non-binary queer youth that come to our programs because regardless of how they identify, they're experiencing barriers based on gender and they find our programs very safe for them. Uh, And so our programs um, have curriculum that's age appropriate, but they cover some really critical topics, Um, healthy friendships, healthy relationships, how to deal with bullying at school, how to ask for help, um, how to advocate for yourself in the classroom. So, you know, for instance, if you have a class that you want to get into, but your teacher's not listening to you, how do you really advocate to say, hey, you know what, I'd like to take AP chemistry. Um, You know, another couple of areas that we really focus on um, is media literacy. So, you know, how can you disseminate between fake news um, and real news? How are you asking questions about the things that you're seeing in the news today? Uh, We also provide tools for financial literacy. Um, And then all of our programs uh, are are, uh, steeped in STEAM. So STEAM education, so science, technology, technology. engineering, art, and math. And so there's always really that focus. But we have four programs. One is called Girls Groups. That is like synonymous with the Girls Inc. difference. These are these safe uh, age group-based groups that are staffed by a paid facilitator to talk about a curriculum topic in a safe way. So, you know, what are you experiencing at recess? Or, you know, how are your friendships What's going on at home or what does it mean to be a girl today? And this is really those safe, confidential spaces where our youth talk about very difficult topics. Um, I also want to point out that, you know, through our own data and our impact measures, we are finding that, you know, girls and youth are sharing things that are happening in the classroom or at at home um, 
because they don't have anywhere else to share these things. And so we're providing critical safe space where we can work with either first responders or school officials to get these students and children the access that they need. We also have something called Leadership Council. This is for our budding activists and advocates who come together um, and work on public policy issues. So, you know, during COVID-19, there was, uh, you know, a lot of misinformation about COVID, you know, coming from, you know, Asian identified persons there was an increased hate crime towards Asian persons uh, as well during COVID-19. So our leadership council created a campaign called Stop Asian Hate, which is really to bring, you know, uh, awareness to this issue. Another program uh, is called Girls Think Outside the Box. We adapted this during uh, the pandemic. It is a subscription box program where four times a year, a box is sent to your home where you can work on um, uh, a topic. And it's all the materials are included in there. And, you know, uh, it's also translated into Spanish and Vietnamese. So I myself, I'm a mother. I have an 11-year-old and I have an 8-year-old. And I remember as a first-time mother, I signed up for all all these different steam boxes and art boxes to be sent to my home <laughs> all for me to be the one to really be doing those and my kids to not be so interested but the great thing about girls think outside the box is it's geared towards the attention and the age capacity of a child and it's also, you know, it revolves around leadership, self-care, STEAM education. And this has been great because for our youth and girls where we are not in their local schools. So, for instance, you know, we're not in, let's say, Spokane, Washington. We don't have school-based relationships there. But for those that reside there, they're able to experience the Girls, Inc. difference and be a part of our programs. And it's also increased our, our enrollment numbers greatly. So that's Girls Think Outside the Box. And then lastly is our Eureka program. This is our eighth to 12th grade program that revolves around STEAM and college and career readiness. And this is where we are not necessarily at certain schools, but we pull from middle schools and high schools across the region. Um, once a month, um, our Eurekans, as we call them, are exposed to a STEAM professional or a company or an organization in their community to learn about different career ventures and opportunities in STEAM. We also partner with um, higher ed uh, outlets such as Clark College in Vancouver, Mount Hood Community College in Gresham, PCC, Portland State, to really provide on-campus opportunities for learning. Uh, and then each summer in between the grades, we have uh, STEAM camps as well. So this is where, you know, if you've matriculated through Girls Inc. of the Pacific North Northwest from the second grade, starting in the eighth grade, you get that college and career readiness and wraparound support. We also provide college um, education and college application support to our families, particularly for our families where English is not their first language or they themselves have not gone to college. And so I share all of this because our programs are matriculative, meaning we want for girls to start with us as early as possible and be a part of our programs as many times as possible so that they can get as much access to the professionals to support them through mentoring and get as much exposure to different careers and social and emotional learning that they may not be able to get at school or in other parts of their life. And so um, as the Pacific Northwest, we are throughout the Portland metro area and extended suburbs. We're also uh, in Vancouver and Southwest Washington and then in Seattle as well. Excellent. Serena, if, if uh, a girl or youth and their parents want to get involved with Girls Inc., how do they do that? 
Yes, please uh, visit our website, which is girlsingpnw.org. You can find out about all four of those programs that I just shared and also ways to enroll, such as what school locations we are in or how to participate in our virtual-based programs or to sign up for a subscription to Girls Think Outside the Box. Um, we also are on Instagram as well as Facebook. And so we do some fun announcements there about events in which you can participate in. But I encourage people to please follow us on Facebook. Please follow us on Instagram and visit our website. There's also opportunities for uh, volunteerism uh, and ways to partner with us. We also use those outlets as a ways to, uh, to share advocacy. So how we're you know, working with lawmakers and policymakers to improve our communities overall. And then, of course, I will put a plug in for donations. We do not charge at all for our programs. Uh, and so we, you know, for Girls Think Outside the Box, you can donate because we can't screen uh, income based on that way for that program, but we don't charge. Uh, and so, you know, we raise money every day through individual donations, special events, grants from foundations as well as investments from corporations but you know uh, a little bit goes a long way and so you know we ask for people to please donate so that we can pay the great staff that work with our youth every day and we can you know provide the beautiful materials to give them you know the social and emotional learning and academic support that they deserve and you can donate on our website excellent um, serena talk a little bit about how social media has affected the work that girls inc does like the yeah, like what a great girl like the girls yeah. being involved in social media. I what a great question. So you know, as I said, uh, you know, I have an eight and an eleven year old, and you know, I think there's just something about the pandemic that really advanced young people's access to social media platforms. I mean, let's just start with the hardware. You know, during the pandemic. Most students, you know, uh, did distance learning, learning from home and their schools either provided, you know, a Chromebook or a, a ThinkPad or an iPad for them. And, you know, kids today at a much younger age, they're very, very computer savvy. And as a result, they're digital savvy. So, you know, kids know how to look up things on YouTube to teach them how to learn things. And then as a result, all those other proximate platforms like TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, perhaps a little less for the younger generations, but they know all about them and they even understand, you know, marketing and data analytics. And I share this because our constituencies are young girls. And in order to really connect with them better, we've built out platforms on Instagram as well as looking at TikTok to connect with them um, and really speak their language and adapt to platforms that entice them, excite them and make them feel comfortable. And so, you know, the trick of being a, a youth development provider is to not think like an adult. I think it's to be responsible like an adult and to think about how adults can model um, you know, I think safety and trust for young people, but to not impose upon them how we think that they should be learning. So through social media, we've really paid attention, you know, to what ways in which we can, you know, um, share our programs with young people, you know, share resources with them. But then also, how is social media projecting images um, that are dangerous and unsafe for young people? You know, human trafficking or, you know, you know, cyber breaches, 
some of the most vulnerable, you know, uh, people through social media and digital platforms are young people. So I think through both through, you know, digital and social media safety and advocacy for our girls and youth, but then also has been very important, but also just making sure that we're savvy as well on, you know, how to be, I think, safe stewards, you know, um, and safe examples for them to get resources for us online. Um, also, we use digital ads now, you know, to market to families and schools. Hey, come to our website. Hey, follow us here on Facebook or social media, you know, as well. So I, I think it's just been the digital age is complex, as you know, um, but it's also, I think, been very eye opening for us how to, to be adaptable. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. So we have about a minute left, Serena. Talk to me about what's ahead for Girls, Inc. So what's ahead for Girls, Inc. is that we are expanding, expanding, expanding. We want to be in more schools um, to girls and youth that need us the most. We're looking to, you know, provide more programs to housing centers and community-based centers. And then, of course, increase our resources for college and career readiness. And so we're looking to expand geography throughout Oregon and Washington, um, but then also just raise more money so we can bring our strong, smart, bold mission uh, to, to the youth that need us the most most. We also invite you to uh, our biggest gala, which happens in Portland. It's called Girls Night Out. It's being hosted at Avenue in Portland on uh, April 25th, which is the Thursday. This is, uh, you know, an indoor outdoor cocktail party, mocktail party where our corporate partners, our donors, but people who don't know anything about us can come and have a fun festive night where for about 45 minutes during the program, we bring out our graduates who testify about what it was like for them to be in Girls, Inc., how Girls, Inc. made a difference in their life and where they are today. Some went on to four-year you know, four universities, Ivy Leagues. Some are engineers today. Some are nurses today. So it's just a really great way to celebrate our mission and learn more about us. Um, your ticket sales go directly to benefit programming um, and our operations, and it's also a fun place to donate we have great auction packages and so what's next for us is we're expanding but please do go to our website and come to girls night out on april 25th give out the website one more time yes that is girls inc pnw.org excellent i love the work that you guys do it's so cool thank you so much thanks for thinking of us and please have us on again another time absolutely We've been talking today with Serena Boston-Ashby, CEO of Girls, Inc. of the Pacific Northwest. Thanks, Serena. Thanks so much. Take care. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just search for Let's Talk Portland on the Odyssey app. Let's Talk Portland is an Odyssey Portland public affairs program. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.